Our text this morning comes from one of the most familiar chapters of the New Testament. It's a chapter that's often called the love chapter of the Bible. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's in that chapter that Paul outlines the characteristics of Christian love. But as Paul brings the chapter to a close, or that section to a close, Paul makes a tremendous assertion in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 11. He says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Paul tells us there in that passage what happened when he became a man. He says, when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now notice something there. The wise apostle does not say that he put away the things that are childlike. Because to do that would be a tragedy. And it would not be a triumph. What he does claim is that he has put away things that are childish. He has come to a point of physical maturity. Now do you know how you do you know how you realize that you have come to physical maturity? You've reached physical maturity. When you drop the ice cube on the floor and you pick it up instead of kicking it under the refrigerator. That's when you've become mature physically. Paul says, I've come to physical maturity. I pick the ice cube up. I don't kick it under the refrigerator. Paul's telling us, he has reached some degree of mental and spiritual maturity. When I became a man, he said, I put away childish things. You know, a baby is a beautiful creature. A baby excites our love. A baby excites our joy. And a baby excites our expectations. Having a seven or ten pound baby come into a home that's something that makes the heart sing with gladness and with joy. But the coming of a 180 or 200 pound baby doesn't make for laughter. It makes for tears. In fact, one of the crowning tragedies of life is the infancy of the grown-up. Paul says, I put away childish things. Have you ever thought about that phrase? About what it means? What does it mean? What are those childish things? You see, there are some things that mark us as being childish. No matter what the calendar says, our chronological age might be. Infants and little children are given to tears. And because of the fact that infants and little children are given to tears, we more or less expect that they're going to cry. 
And because we expect them to cry, their wails do not generally upset us. We know they're going to cry. And not only do babies cry, they cry over trifles as well as over things that really matter. It does not take a mortal wound to make a baby cry out. Actually, a slight pinprick will usually do quite well. A baby howls at a touch of colic. Or if dinner is just a few minutes late. There's nothing too small, there's nothing too insignificant to upset their little world. And when that baby's little world is upset, they yell at the top of their lungs. Now, not only are babies easily moved to tears, but their crying, their tears, their wailing is always over some personal calamity. Make no mistake about it, the suffering of those round about them does not matter to them at all. The slightest pain upsets a baby far more than an earthquake or an explosion or an automobile accident or any other tragedy. Babies cry. And they cry easily. And they always cry for themselves. Not once do they ever have a tear for the misery or the needs of others. And infants also love attention. And they must always have the center of the stage. That's even one of the reasons the infant cries. It's also the reason that when they get a little older, they put their sore toe on display. It's also why that when they get older still, they want to tell you just how badly life has treated them. They'll give you a blow-by-blow description of what their nerves are doing. They'll tell you about their operation. They'll even offer to show you their scar if you want to see it. And then they end by fervently hoping you'll never have to suffer the way they've had to suffer. But sometimes this love of attention takes another direction. They're willing to work, but only when they're in the lead and they're in charge. They're willing to play, but only when they choose the game. When Brian and Matt were little, they loved to play video games. They would sit in their room and they would play video games for hours. And you could always tell when Matt was losing. Because if Matt was getting beat, the next sound you would hear was Bryant, Mom, he turned the game off. That was what he did when he was losing. He turned off the game. They're willing to play, but when, only if they choose the game. If they're voted down... They sulk in their tent, and they no more will go to battle. They wash their hands of the whole business and say, Well, my way's right. I'm always right. And if you don't do it my way, I'm finished. Folks, 
There is no way to measure the harm that big babies do in the ordinary business of life. And they can be terribly in the way sometimes in the Lord's body, the church. Big babies can wreck a home and big babies can destroy a church. And quite often this childishness is shown by demanding appreciation. Now make no mistake about it. Everybody loves appreciation. And it's a lot harder to carry on when nobody approves. But to fail to carry on is not a mark of maturity. It is rather just the opposite. The baby produces a great sensation when they take their first step. Everybody gathers around to watch. Everybody applauds. Everybody says, oh, that's so good. But if that child expects that kind of applause to continue throughout life, they are going to be sadly disappointed. If they ever reach the point they refuse to walk without the applause, then they've never grown up. Paul said, when I became a man, I put away childish things. The childish must have attention. They like to be the center of the stage. And then there's another characteristic of childishness. And that's taking the blessings of life as a matter of course. Accepting them as what they deserve and what they're entitled to. I think everybody in here knows the truth of what I'm about to say. Babies just naturally have no sense of gratitude. You can carry a colicky baby half the night. And that baby will never show the slightest appreciation. When did you ever see a baby look into a tired mother's eyes and say, Thank you. But we don't care, do we? No. We can take that ingratitude from little babies. But it's a lot harder to bear from big ones. There are few signs of perpetual infancy that are greater than never learning how to say thank you. Whether that thank you is directed to God or whether that thank you is directed to man. You see, the infant has no sense of obligation. When a child begins to want to give back something for what they've received, it encourages us, doesn't it? Because that means they're growing. Sadly, folks, there are those in whom a sense of duty and a sense of obligation never develops. They're always thinking in terms of what the world owes them. Childish folks are selfish. Just like all small children are self-centered. That's 
the fact that they wail over their own disappointments and only theirs. Their demand for attention. Their lack of a sense of gratitude and obligation. All of those are streams that flow from the mountain of self-centeredness. Selfishness is never attractive. As the calendar turns its pages on our lives, we have the opportunity to be very ugly or very beautiful. But as the calendar turns its pages, if we're ugly, our crowning ugliness, generally speaking, is born of a fact that we have become childish. To refuse to put away childish things is to become a grief to God and a grief to man. Paul tells us he has substituted maturity for immaturity. Now the fact that Paul has grown up, that doesn't mean Paul has put away tears altogether. Paul still weeps. But Paul doesn't weep over petty trifles. And neither are his tears shed over just his own personal troubles. Stay with me and understand me. Paul can still weep over his own sorrows. Jesus does not call upon us to hate ourselves and love our neighbors. Jesus does call on us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So while Paul still weeps, his tears now are almost holy tears for others. He called the elders of Ephesus to him in Acts chapter 20. Remember what he told them? He said, you know that from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, listen to it, and with many tears, he said. But Paul's tears were like the tears of Jesus. They were tears that were born of his heartache for others. They were tears that indicated that self had died under the stroke of the cross. That Paul has learned to rejoice with those that rejoice, and he's learned to weep with those that weep. And Paul has reached the point in his life that he can now carry on when nobody's cheering. He can carry on when nobody's applauding. That's not to say he does not desire the approval of his brothers and sisters. Every sensitive soul longs for that kind of approval. It does mean that if that approval is withheld, Paul doesn't give up and quit. Here's what he said to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 15. He said, And I will gladly spend 
and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Paul's reached the point he can carry on when nobody applauds. He can carry on when folks ignore him. He can carry on when folks disapprove of him. He can even carry on when folks become positively antagonistic toward him. That's maturity. And Paul's growing up, Paul's maturity is also shown in his deep sense of gratitude. Truth be told, that's one of his most beautiful characteristics. Following his eventful life, oh my, you can see Paul in all sorts of trying and difficult situations. We see him at the whipping post and we see him in personal danger. At the end of his life, as he writes to Timothy, we see him in a prison dungeon without his beloved books. We see him without even a coat to keep him warm. <coughs> but, you never find Paul without a song of gratitude in his heart. At one point, this apostle wrote, In everything, give thanks. And that's become the habit of his life. And there is no surer mark of maturity than a constant gratitude. A gratitude that grows from our realization that we have nothing of ourselves. That everything we have we've received from God or we've received it from our fellow man. Paul indicates his maturity. He indicates he's become of age by his deep sense of obligation. As he wrote to the church at Rome in Romans 1, 14 and 15, he said, I'm better. Both to the Greeks, to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. And as much as in me is, he said, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Having received so much and so persistently, Paul feels like he's under an obligation to serve. And that sense of obligation is always a mark of maturity. To lack a sense of obligation and to lack a sense of responsibility is always to remain an infant. To have no sense of duty, no sense of responsibility, no sense of obligation. Folks, that's always to remain a child. Children love to play. And that's well and good. And for the child, playing is an end of itself. And don't misunderstand me. As we grow older, we still need to play. We can't offer our best service without playing. Remember it was said about Jack, all play, work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. But playing has to be a means to an end oftentimes, rather than just seeking pleasure in and of itself. To have come and grown and gone. And never to have felt the hand of compulsion laid upon me. To never have said with Jesus, I must, is about as damning a sin as an individual can commit. Well, how did Paul do this? 
Paul did not become a man and reach maturity and put away childish things by pulling up all the childish weeds in his garden of his soul one by one. There was no magic about his coming to maturity and growing to maturity in an instant. It wasn't instantaneous. It won't be for us. It's a process. Paul became a man by growing. And growth is an amazing miracle. The great Scottish philosopher Thomas Carlyle once was holding a baby in his arms. And Carlyle looked at this baby with eyes of wonder and he remarked, Just to think, Shakespeare was once like this. But when you hold a baby in your arms, think about the fact that Paul was once like that. So was Jesus. When Dr. Luke tells us about Jesus, he grew in stature and in favor with God and man. When Dr. Luke tells us how Jesus became the perfect man, he tells us it was because he grew in the right direction. He increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Paul became mature by growth. How did he do this? How can you and I do this? How can we grow to be spiritually mature Christians? We don't do it by just waking up one day and say, I'm going to cease to be small and become large. I didn't get to be this big by one day saying, I'm going to weigh 250 pounds. It took some time. It took a lot of mashed potatoes and gravy and hot rolls and butter. Pecan pie and bluebell. Growth is a law of life. We don't grow by trying to grow. We grow by meeting the conditions of growth. A baby doesn't grow by worrying about growth. They grow naturally, spontaneously, and unconsciously as they meet certain conditions. A baby grows by eating. In fact, sometimes a baby seems to be little more than an appetite. And when babies become teenagers, they seem to be a walking stomach. But if a baby fails to eat, they not only fail to grow, they'll die. Write this down, it's on the final exam. Just as food is necessary for a baby... Food is necessary for us if we reach spiritual maturity. We've got to have an active prayer life. We've got to spend time in prayer talking to God. We've got to spend time looking in God's Word and letting God speak to us through His Word. And when we have an active prayer life and we spend time talking to God and we feed our souls on the bread of life, we're going to grow. And we need to exercise. You know, sometimes the dissipated health of a lot of members of the body of Christ is because they don't get any exercise. We have folks in the body of Christ sometimes 
find their Christian experience to be more of a weight than wings. And sometimes God has become as vague as a dream. If Christianity has become more of a weight than wings to you. And if God is nothing more than a vague dream, get some exercise. Serve someone else. It's always a marvelous thing how discouragement melts in the warmth of an effort to do good in this old world of ours. Spiritual maturity comes when we make our decision to follow Jesus. And spiritual maturity comes as we daily walk with Jesus in this life. I don't know what's going on in your life. Let's be standing together right now. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever it is that you might need to change, this is your opportunity to do that as we sing this song.